Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, we've been talking about foundations of faith. I did that whole thing on spirit-filled living, and as we got through that, then the Lord began to speak to me about how uh, if the foundations of our faith aren't set correctly, then it's hard to live, particularly in changing times. And so, gone back and trying to, to recoup and kind of place that in, in some of our lives. And some of it, it ought to be rehearsal for you, but uh, I hope you get some of this as we go on. Sean did a great job last week. Repentance, the doorway into the kingdom of God. Repentance, the way home. Uh, the, the scripture there says repentance from dead works. To, to, have you ever woken up and realized that maybe what you were doing had no life in it? You ever, you ever find yourself, okay, never mind. Never have you, none of you have ever sinned. You ever been doing anything and realized that what you were doing was nothing but about you and what was going on? And even as you were doing it, you thought, I shouldn't be doing this. Uh, and, and that thought is repentance. That thought that wakes you up and you realize, I shouldn't even be saying this. I shouldn't even be going there. I shouldn't even be. That's repentance. That's a gift. Otherwise, you just keep doing it like any old other dumb animal, right? But humanity's been given this great gift of knowing, of conscience. And that conscience wakes up a little bit, and you feel that conviction. That's, that's repentance from dead works. Sean did a really good job. And the week before, I talked about Christ is Lord. Jesus is Lord. The, the cornerstone of our faith is Jesus and Jesus only, right? So those two foundations we've already tried to put in place. This morning, I'm going to talk about faith in God. Uh, Titus chapter 1 is one of my life verses. Paul writes to Titus and he says, this letter is from Paul, a slave of God, the apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I've been sent to proclaim the faith to you, to teach faith to you, and then to teach you how to live godly lives. I believe one of the things that's being missed right now in the 21st century is to teach about the faith. There's one Lord, one baptism, one faith. Unlike denominations, see money has denominations. The faith does not. Money has ones and fives and tens and twenties. The faith, there's one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one God and Father of us all. Denominations are man's attempt to try to tailor make faith so that people can find the peace of the faith that they like. When the truth of the matter is, is Jesus said we're all one, that there's one church. You don't go to this church or that church. When we get to heaven, there's not going to be different rooms, right? You've heard that story. Guy gets to heaven St. Peter brings him in the hallway, and he's walking down the hallway, and St. Peter turns around and says, shh, and they walk by, and there's all these people in that room. He said, who, who are they? Well, he goes, oh, the, 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 those are the Roman Catholics. We make them sick because they could do everything on earth, but they think they're the only ones here. They walk by another room, and it's all the Baptists, and they're all just drinking and having a great time. He said, what are they doing? He said, well, they couldn't do anything on earth, so we're... We're letting them. He said, where are we going? He goes, oh, we're taking you to the Pentecostals. We got chandeliers. <laughs> you get it. See, there's one faith, one Lord, one baptism. You don't get to make up faith. Faith is something that's given to you from the beginning. 
St. Jude says, I want to write to you about the faith. It's once and for all handed down to you. In other words, God handed us faith. Faith is a gift. And he handed us that faith. And that faith is one of the very foundations of our life. The writer of Hebrews makes certain statements like this. He said, moving on to maturity, leaving the foundations or the elementary things of our faith, which is repentance from dead works and faith in God. So the third foundation I want to talk to you about how we're supposed to have this faith, this faith that's been given to us in God, not in ourselves, and not in our particular denomination, our particular preference, our particular uh, idea about who God is, not faith in our Baptist doctrine, our Methodist doctrine, our Roman doctrine, but faith in this God, this God that came and sent his only begotten son, this God that became flesh, became like one of us, who lived 33 years, who three and a half years did signs, wonders, and miracles, revealing that he is God. And then uh, as we killed him, he refused to retaliate and revealed love and grace and kindness and mercy to us. And then rose from the grave, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again. Faith in that God. Not faith in your performance, but faith in his character. Faith in who he is, no matter what you do or what you don't do. That faith. That faith that is the salvation of all humanity. That faith that will heal and set free. That faith that's been watered down for about 2,000 years through every emerging culture and is still taking place today. Every culture continues to water down the very basic thing called faith. And the only way to recover is to go back into the very old annuals of our faith. Lean clear back to the beginning of the faith and recover the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And recover the reality that it's not based on rules or doctrines or particular experiences. But it's based on a man named Jesus who was born of a virgin named Mary, who suffered under a man named Pontius Pilate, who was crucified, died, and was buried, who descended into the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended in heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in God the Father Almighty. I believe in the Holy Spirit. That's the faith. And you don't get to just put something on the internet, write it down, and say, these are our bylaws. You don't get to do that because the faith cannot be changed. If you change the structure of the faith, then you weaken the very structure itself. My dad was a carpenter, really. He was a contractor, but he really was a carpenter. And he started out in the, in the 40s, and they were building homes post-World War II in a little place called Ponca City, Oklahoma. Built a number of homes, he and my granddad. Then went to New Mexico, uh, down around a place called Almogordo, and it was the air base. And they built track homes, and then back to Oklahoma, and eventually into, the, into Kansas, where he became a commercial contractor. My dad could build anything. Just, just hand him a slide rule, he'd figure it out. He could build anything. He would love the internet. My dad would have loved YouTube because he, he, he could have gone on there and watched a video and then he'd have went and done it. That, that was my dad. He, he had more magazines of how to build stuff. He, he, did, he just was phenomenal. I, I asked daddy, what's the key to building? What's, what's the key to building a fine home? And I, I can remember my dad saying this to people, uh, it's the foundation. If we get the foundation right, that home will last forever. If we, if we get the right foundation, and you know, there's a lot that goes into a foundation. There's a soil analysis, which in those days meant you went out and dug two, three shovels of dirt and scooped it around. Today they do soil tests. But uh, some, some foundations are real deep and real narrow. 
some foundations are real wide and the more shallow based on whether it's sandy or it's got clay or it's got rock. And uh, dad said the, the only way to build a good building is to put a foundation under that thing. Uh, <laughs> I, I remember daddy building this cabin. He actually built two of them. Built it on the side of a mountain in, uh, in Table Rock. They built that thing on the rock itself. And the thing hadn't been there very long. That thing started sliding down that rock. He had to call some old man from down around Kings River to find out how to keep that house from sliding. Had to, had to use trees. It's a long story. Uh, but <laughs> sometimes you've got to adjust to the kind of soil that's, that's there. I remember building this building. I remember when we walked out on this building and they took all kinds of shots. It was 32 inches low. It was way too low. held water. For years and years, this held water out here. And we needed 32 inches of topsoil and sand on, on this ground. And uh, a gentleman from Haven said, well, it's going to cost you $54,000 to get enough dirt here. And uh, we were trying to save money. And uh, I had all this dirt out on this five, six acres that I live. And so we, there's a great big hole just outside my house. It doesn't hold water, doesn't it? But the dirt that this thing sat on came out of that six acres and they hauled it in here and they leveled it and they packed it and they leveled it and they packed it and they packed it and they leveled it and then they started digging this out. I thought Annie's going to lose her mind. <laughs> she said, we, 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 we dug it and then they dug this slope and started digging and then they started digging great big holes under every one of those posts. Huge. You remember this Bruce? They're huge underneath these steel beams and every time we drive by here, Annie says, they ain't doing nothing. They're accomplishing nothing. It was cold that winter, actually. And, and it, it was great big. And then they started pouring this flat work and they, this building. But then in 2001, in January, actually, there's gas deposits under this city. Everybody remember this? January 6th or 7th, I think. And there's gas deposits under the city. And we just shove stuff down there. You know, we think we can shove anything into nature we want to. And there's no... We think we can just push stuff anywhere we want to and it has no effect. Well, that's kind of stupid if you have the Hutchin because if you remember, we blew up. We shoved enough of it down there that it had to come up. And when it came up, it killed people in this town. It burned a couple buildings down, right? Just keep shoving stuff down there. And, and it blew up. And, and it, they, lit, they drilled holes out there on the other side of that. And they drilled holes back here and gas burned forever. And about eight months later, the front end of that building out there, not this part, but that part, started moving. Because see, that, that gas had come up and it had left fissures underneath the front of that building. And it moving like this. And of course, you know, the government gives all kinds of money. And money fixes everything, right? And uh, <laughs> they came out here and they started watching it. And that, that front beams were doing this and it was sagging. And everybody keeps wondering why that leaks out there. Well, it was moving. And uh, they came here and they pulled up the carpet and they drilled holes about that big around. And they put a truck out here that had mud and slurry in it. And they shoved all it, kept pumping it in all over the front of that building until they fixed the foundation. And then she stopped moving. Foundation's important. Foundations in your life are extremely important. If not, things will happen on the outside that will affect your life. And things will happen underneath. And there's no interior decorators when you pour foundations. There's no one there picking out this color. and this is Everybody wants to know what this looks like. Nobody, foundations of our faith. 
faith is one of the greatest pieces of our lives, and yet most of the time we spend very little time on how we build our faith. Most of the time we spend our time evaluating the behaviors of other people. Most of the time we spend our time evaluating what's going in the world around us and very little time working or considering the things that are going underneath our lives and asking our question if the faith that we've been handed is the faith we still hold on to or whether we've allowed the culture of the time to shift our faith and to change it and to accept little changes that the pressures of the outside or the faults underneath have made obvious to us. So when I talk to you about the foundations of faith, when I talk to you about how faith is the integral part of that, that holds that all together, how we have one faith, one Lord, one baptism, how we believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, how we believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, how we have faith in God, the God who self-describes himself as love, the God that says, I am loving kindness, I am mercy, I endure forever. The God that says, let me show you what I am, because even when you kill me, even when you break the law, I will forgive you. Because the law could save no one. The law was given to try to help people live socially, but the law would never make any man righteous. In fact, even when he gave the law to Moses, he also gave him the idea of a sacrifice once a year. You, you blink, bring something and you kill that something and it'll cover your sin until Jesus could come and show you that it is love that is the greatest commandment of all. You, you, <laughs> you can try to keep all those other ones all you want to, but if you have not love, you're nothing. You see, love is what we're called to because God is love. And I have faith in God. I have faith in his love for me. I have faith in his grace for me. I have faith in his favor. I know that God is a good God, a kind God, a merciful God, that he forgives 70 times 7, meaning his mercy endures forever. You see, the judgment that everybody's afraid of coming has already taken place. It happened on the cross. He judged sin on the cross. The cross was his prophetic judgment of the end. In the end, he will say, you're covered by my blood. In your end, he will say, I took your place on the cross. He is the end. And in the end, God forgives sinners. He dies for sinners. He loves you. It is a religious twisting of the faith to be pointing at someone and tell them that their behavior determines how God is going to love you. Your behavior does not determine whether or not God loves you. You're never going to be loved any more or any less than you are right now. You can't earn God's love. It's free. It comes because of his mercy and his grace. I'm telling you that when I hear this gospel, I have faith again. When I hear the dribble that's preached so much around the world, when I hear how Christians judge and evaluate one another, then I understand that my faith has become toxic with the denominational demise of what the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ has presented to me in him. Why must we come back to this? Because if we're not careful, things shift underneath. If we're not careful, things happen out here. If we're not careful, we'll forget the faith that saved us. The faith that saved us was his grace. 
We are saved by grace through faith, and this is a gift. No man deserves it. No man earns it. Thus, we can't judge the behavior of others and determine whether or not they have it. I'm saved by grace. And I access that grace by faith, meaning that I have no really guarantee. I have to, by faith, believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I have to, by faith, believe that his Father is God Almighty. I have to, by faith, believe that the spirit and the voice that's on the inside of me is the one of love and of mercy and of kindness. I have to receive the grace of God by faith. Have you ever received the grace of God and then walked out the door and wondered? I have. I can remember as I came into faith how I'd wake up in the middle of the night in cold sweats wondering if it really had worked. I, I still wake up in cold sweats sometimes wondering, particularly as I'm growing older and I have a few pains in my body. I think, oh, does, does, is this, this is still, you see, I have to keep my faith alive because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's not having heard, but it's a continual ongoing hearing. And again, uh, as I gain a few years on my life, what I realize is nobody's hearing faith. Nobody's hearing how God loves you. Nobody's hearing how God's for you and not against you. Nobody's hearing that. They're hearing that if you're this or you're that, you're in or you're out. They're, they're, hearing, <laughs> they're hearing all kinds of how-tos, but they're not hearing about how this God who created us is the God that redeemed us. And this God that redeemed us is the God that lives on the inside of us. And that he's who works in us both to will and to do his good pleasure. And that I can trust in him in me to do those things through me that he has. Am I making? I don't have to trust in my own righteousness. I don't have to trust in my own ability to perform the law. I'm, I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. But can I tell you how many times I walk into the communities of faith and I hear people evaluating other people based on the rules rather than on the relationship that's been granted to us. That, that my friends, hurts my heart. It hurts my heart when I listen over the last four or five years when I hear people evaluating others because that's not the faith. That, that, that's why I'm not a, a police officer, because I, I don't have to do that. I have to pray for Joel to figure out how to do that. I don't have that grace, right? I, I, I can't be a, a sergeant out of the prison, because that's not how I'm, I'm wired. I, thank God you had that grace. But I'm one to proclaim the raw faith, this raw faith that saves murderers, this raw faith that saves adulterers, this raw faith that saves me. And doesn't ask me to behave or to be become, but just encourages me to belong to this thing called the church, the manifestation, the body of the living God. Am I, am I, hey, come on, sometimes maybe we need to drill down through the surface of our own life and check and see if something's moved underneath there. Has something been shifted in there that, that's caused us to walk in a bit of an unstable way? The Bible says those that have received the abundance of grace, you can't achieve it, you receive it. You just continually receive the grace of God. Obviously, if we say we have no sin, we, obviously I keep needing grace. Thank God Annie keeps giving me some. What's the secret to being married 45 years? She forgives me. It's the secret. 
She has mercy on me. She probably had mercy on me when she married. Never mind. It was a mercy marriage. Never. Uh, I, could, I could probably. So we're saved by faith. And Habakkuk and Paul and all the way through the New Testament, it says the just shall live by faith. I live by faith. Someone asked me the day, it's how do you live in the end times? The same time you live in any time. By faith. <laughs> Well, what is the end time? This could be the end time, but listen, I'm not changing the message. You live the end time, the beginning of time, all of time, you live by faith. You believe that God's going to work all things together for our good, right? So I'm believing if this is the end time, then then God's going to work it all together. If it's not the end time, then God's going to work it all together. I, I, I live by faith in the God who loves me. I live by faith in the God that provides for me. I live by faith. Listen, I have so many miracles in my life. There's, there's a great song. I, we can't hardly sing it, but it's a great song. I have so many miracles, I can't count them. I, I, come on, if you think about it, you're breathing. If you think about it, there's food on your table when you go home in a few minutes. If you, if you think about it, you're not barefoot. If you think about it, you almost lost your life, but you didn't. If you think about it, then God's been doing miracles upon miracles, blessings upon blessings, that you've been living by faith. <sighs> Say with me, I'm going to walk by faith. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible. It's impossible to please him. The Bible says that the works of the flesh will never please him. Can I tell you, the works of the flesh, even the good that you do, doesn't bring him any pleasure. But when you believe in his goodness, he's pleased. When you believe in his grace, he's pleased. When you believe without faith, it's impossible to please him, but to believe that he is, and he is the rewarder. Look at your neighbor and say, I have a reward waiting for me on streets of gold, a mansion in heaven, if you want to metaphorically go that way, and heavenly Disneyland. But he is a rewarder. He, he, he likes to give us gifts, to have faith that God likes to surprise us that God likes to overwhelm us, that God likes it when we trust in him, that he likes it when we rely on him, that he likes it when we say, I can do nothing, but through you I can do all things. He likes it. He likes it when I'm weak and says, I can't, but you can. He likes it when I'm frail and says, but you're strong. He likes it when I admit that I'm a child, but he's a God. He likes it when I surrender to him and acknowledge that only by him do I get to live. The arrogance of some of the things called Christianity in America today make me want to vomit. The arrogance of it. Listen, I grew up where faith was reduced to a currency, that if you had enough of it, you could twist God's arm. That if you had enough of it and just not enough sin, that you could get what you wanted. What a bunch of drivel. And I remember I had to drill down through the foundation of my life and get a little of that out of there. I had to drill down and, and put a little different stuff in there and, and begin to recognize that faith is not the currency where when I buy from God, faith is what gives me the strength to acknowledge that I'm weak and that I need everything that he has in my life. Now, faith is the substance. I could say faith is the concrete. I could see faith is the hard stuff that goes down under my life and solidifies whatever I get to build on top of it. Faith is concrete. Most of the time it's unseen. In fact, I'm, I really believe that faith does its greatest work when it's not seen. 
But however, faith is more solid than anything you can see. Faith is what will stabilize your life in the midst of hard times. Faith is a substance of things yet unseen, meaning that I have the ability to, by my vision, look into what God has promised and pull that out of the heavens and use it as concrete in my life. Use it as solid rock in my life. And though the world can't see it, we, through our hope in his promise, can bring it into the reality because faith comes by hearing that God loves me. And when I hear that God loves me, I hear his promises, Bruce, and I can reach out into the invisible and manifest that invisible into a visible reality that I tuck underground. I tuck it underneath my life. I tuck it beneath my life. And it begins to hold my life. It begins to anchor my life. Now faith is the substance of the things that we've hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. What is holding your life up is the faith in this God that has promised you a future that blows your mind. Not on the basis of you having kept the law. But on the basis that he came and forgave you for breaking the law. And it is that faith in his grace that stabilizes everything in our lives. And if that is watered down by some sort of legalistic thing, then I promise you everything shifts because you'll wake up in the middle of the night and think, well, maybe I deserve this. You'll wake up in the middle of your life and think, oh my God, if only, if I could have. But the Bible says faith comes by hearing and faith is the concrete, the substance, the stabilizing force. And the Bible says that if we have faith of a mustard seed, we can speak to mountains. The Bible says that if we have faith in God, we can say these things, ask these things, and God will manifest them. It's hard to do that if you haven't taken the time to make sure that faith is the foundation of your life. It's hard to do that if you haven't gone through there and made sure that these things are in place. Most of the time, if you don't put the right concrete in your life, most of the time there'll come a moment that you get ready to speak and it won't be there. You get ready to move and it won't happen. You see, the Bible says that our faith overcomes the things of this world the fact of the matter is, is we have to stop and question what it is we've heard about the faith. In the last days, many will depart from the faith. I'm watching it. I'm watching it. I'm watching people make up faith as they go along. I'm watching people use faith like it's ordering a car. Well, I think I'll add this on. Or I, I, Actually, I'm, a better analogy is it's like, well, I think I'll download that app. And then I think I'll download that app. You know, you got your phone, you got your apps, I got my phone, I got my apps, and so my apps might not be your apps, so my phone. No, you, you, you either take the whole phone or you take no phone. You, you don't get to add on or let go of because you don't like. You see, many will depart from the faith. Paul says to Timothy, guard your faith. Be careful with your faith. Contend for your faith. Fight the good fight of the faith to hold on to the reality that it's by grace I'm saved and not by works. One translation says, now faith is the confirmation, the title deed. You've heard me say it a hundred times. Walk up to a counter at a Marriott hotel and I've got my confirmation number and they tell me I don't have a room. And I said, well, baby, who are you moving out? Because I'm moving in. 
And she goes, no, we don't have any more room. I said, you didn't understand me. I have a confirmation. That means I have a room. Who are you moving out? Because I have a room. Whoever you gave my room to, you're going to have to go apologize to them. And she said, well, we can send you across town to another. I said, no, no, I ain't going across town. I'm staying here tonight because there's my confirmation number. She said, I'll have to call my manager. I said, you call whoever you want to, but I got my confirmation number. I have the title to this thing. It's mine. You understand? I paid the 1990 whatever it was. Faith is your title deed. When you know you have faith, you can stand there and say, no, that's my room. That's my room. That's my child. That's my health. That's my life. That's mine. And you can lay claim to it. If you know, you have the confirmation. Faith is the solid substance of confirmation. No, that scripture says that healing's mine. No, that, that promise says that, that this life is my life. That, that, see, you can't get to this point until you've stayed with me to this point. Because if your faith is solid, if it's concrete, then you can stand there and look at that mountain. Then you can drill some holes and pump some more stuff in it to solidify what's underneath there. If you understand that faith is grace and not in your works. No, it's my room, not, not, not because I did anything, because somebody gave me that number. And when I got that number, Hebrews chapter 11 is where I'm at. And the translation goes on. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation of which makes everything in this life worth living. It's the amplified version of Hebrews 11 verse 3. Faith is the firm foundation. Faith is the only thing that will keep you from shaking when everything else is shaking. Faith that is pure. It's not laced with legalism. It's not laced with judgmentalism. It's, it's pure. It's just pure grace. It's just pure love. It's just pure mercy. It's just pure. That faith, that is the foundation of this thing we call Christianity. I'll tell you two or three stories and I'll get out of your way. Is, is this helping? Yes. You remember the story, it's in Mark 5, and there's a woman there and she's been in hiding for 12 years. She's got issues. And then there's this, this priest and he's down at the temple, temple and his daughter is dying. And they both had to go public. One had to come out of hiding and risk being stoned. The other one had to risk losing his job. But both of them had to go public on what they had heard. They'd heard that this man named Jesus, they'd heard that he did signs, wonders, and miracles. They'd heard that he didn't teach like a Pharisee, but he had mercy and grace. And both of them risked everything to walk out of where they had been. One of them had to come out of the hiding one of them had to come out of the temple. They both had to come to the Christ. They had to go public based on what they had heard. They both talked to themselves and said, if I could just get to Jesus. And when they got to Jesus, one interrupted the other and one knew how to stay in the background. The other one knew how to wait. Both of them got the miracle that they were looking for. Both of them got the promise they had hoped for. Why? Because faith goes public on what it's heard. And when it goes public on what it's heard, it isn't afraid to speak what it believes. And when it does, you hear me. He has not changed. He is the same. 
I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what the culture says to you. I don't care whether or not you've heard faith preached and you think that's weird. I don't really care. If it worked for Jairus and for the woman with the issue, then it still works today. And can I caveat it by saying this is before his death, burial, and resurrection. This is before he went public. This is, they saw something before his death, burial, and resurrection. Remember the story of the four friends who carried the guy, and when they got there, there was no way in, and they ripped the roof off the house, tore things up, and lowered the man in. You remember what it says there in Luke chapter 5? It says, Jesus saw their faith. It's interesting to me how God can look through your life and find out whether or not there's faith underneath all that. It's interesting how me God will look through all of our performances and he'll see whether or not there's real faith in there. And it says, when he saw their faith, he said to the man laying on the litter, your sins are forgiven. This, this has always troubled me. He saw their faith and forgave his sin. Said nothing about the man having faith. Said he saw their faith, Tiffany, and forgave the man. Huh. You mean the faith of my friends could open up the favor of God on my life? That two or three people that had faith in God and carried me into the presence of God might manifest the favor of God in my life. Never says the man had faith. It said, when God saw the faith of the people that loved the man, he forgave the man. And then, oh, by the way, he healed him. I wonder if you would take your faith public, how many people might experience the grace of God. I wonder if Christ could just see my faith in him and my love for you. If he could just see my faith in his grace and my love for you, I wonder what he might do for you. See, our faith is what the world needs. Think about it. Maybe I need to purify my faith. Maybe I need to test my faith. Maybe I need to check and see if there's any fissures underneath my faith. Maybe I need to go back to the foundational realities of my faith and ask, can God see my faith in him? And can he see that I love the community that I'm in? And would he manifest his favor? We live in such a time where people want to judge. They want to judge this race, that race, this gender or that gender. And so all above my pay grade. But can I tell you something? I have faith in God that if I carry them into his presence, he knows what to do. He knows what to do. I feel like I've waited so many years to be able to teach in a way that actually makes sense. When I first began to stumble on these truths, I was so excited, I don't know whether I taught them so much as just screamed them. I did. Today, I feel like I'm handing it to you. God saw their faith and forgave the man. Bartimaeus was a blind man who heard. And he began to shout, son of David, have mercy on me. 
See, faith knows how to get loud. Faith knows how to call on the grace of God. Son of David, have mercy on me. How do you live in the midst of this time? Shouting out for the mercy of God is my answer. Shouting out for the grace of God to manifest in the world in which we live in such a way that God's grace would be given to those around us. Amen. I could teach another 20 years. But, but maybe in the first service, could you just close your eyes and hold out a hand? And Lord, if there's any area of our faith that needs to be repaired, if there's any fissures under the foundations of our lives, if there's been any movement out there, we allowed ourselves to forget and get sidetracked by culture there's been something leaking up out of the ground Lord help us at this moment to respond to this message, this word of faith the Bible says when you pray in the spirit you build your most holy faith just pray right there just ask the Lord to move into the foundation of your life purify and recover renew that faith that fresh faith help us to go public Lord help us to respond help us to carry others hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time.